Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. This morning, we are going to talk about rest. Amen? Everybody with me on that one? We need rest. I need rest. We all need it. Psalm 37 is the reading uh, this morning. If you're physically able to stand while we read Psalm 37, uh, please go ahead and stand up with your Bible in hand. Encouraging us about rest, a Psalm of David. It says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Psalm 37, 1. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord, Psalm 37, 3, and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. And he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. Amen? All right, take your Bible. If you'd have a seat, turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to just look at verses 1 through 3 this morning. The subject of rest, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I'm going to pray and then we'll read the text together. Father, I want to thank you for every precious saint that's here this morning. Thank you for those who have come visiting, maybe checking out Christianity, maybe wanting to know more, maybe those who have been away for a while but are here today because they know they need you. Whatever the case may be, you know every heart, you know what we need, you know the healing that we need in various areas of our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that we're together, that we can seek your face together. So we want to just afresh lay everything at your feet that takes place here, Lord. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear what you would want us to hear and a heart to respond to it with action that would line our lives up with your ways and your will. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 2, let's read 1 through 3. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, Genesis 2, 1, and all their hosts... If in NIV, it says, in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Now, where we've been so far is we've looked at the six days of creation in Genesis 1 and Genesis 1 is an overview of the six days of creation. Genesis 2 gives us more detail, especially about day 6. So if you're ever confused about that, just think of Genesis 1 as an overview, an aerial view of creation. And then Genesis 2 will get more specifics. So it's not contradictory, it's complementary. Genesis 2 like a lot of Jewish literature, literature, sometimes you get an overview, then you get the detail. So Genesis 2 will give you more detail, especially about day 6 of creation. 
and especially focusing on male and female, Adam and Eve, and what God would then call them to do as the jewel of his creation. We've been seeing that man was made in God's image. We've been seeing the beauty of everything that he made. And then something interesting happens after these incredible six days of creation. God looks, look at verse 31, Genesis 1. God saw all that he had made. And behold, it was very good. The way that rendered the Hebrew is, you could render this, it was beautiful. Genesis 1.31. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day or day six. So God creates all of this magnificence. He forms and then he fills. We see the corresponding days that Pastor Mel has given us. He forms something, then he fills it. And now day seven comes. But before day seven comes, God looks at everything that he made and he calls it good. I hope you can come to the end of some work weeks and survey what you did during that week and say, man, that was a good week. That was beautiful. Sometimes we can come to the end of the week and all we can focus on is the negative, all the you know, negative voices that have come our way, all the self-talk that can be negative. We can be our own worst enemies, but God gives us a principle here. He looked at everything he made, and of course, God is God, and he said it's beautiful. The implication is also that it was functional, that it worked, and God declared that it was good. There's been some conjecture about where the fall of Lucifer fits in the Genesis account. Some people have conjectured that Lucifer fell between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. But it is interesting that it says in verse 1, notice, God completed everything that he made, all their hosts, and there are many scholars that believe hosts includes angels. And then at the end of chapter 1, God calls everything good. So has Lucifer fallen yet? If everything that God made was good? I don't know. I mean, it's conjecture, but we do know this, that Lucifer will show up in Genesis 3 in the garden. So somewhere in there he falls, but now God comes to the end of the six days and he makes a declaration that everything was good. There are many scholars that believe that Genesis 2-1 actually should be at the end of Genesis 1. Because if you read the verses together, look at what it says. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth, and then look at Genesis 2.1. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. So scholars look at that and say, why is Genesis 2.1 not at the end of Genesis 1? You say, maybe nitpicky, it might be. But scholars say it's an inclusio. It's a summary statement. It should be at the end of Genesis 1. And we, we need to give the people a break who made the verses up, by the way, because it was done by man. In fact, the Bible that you hold, the verse distinctions and chapter breaks were developed by a man named Stephanus hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He was a printer scholar and he developed the, the chapter breaks while riding on horseback. So you can give him a little bit of slack for not including that verse in Genesis 1. Amen? Wouldn't it be hard? I mean, you'd be bouncing up and down on your horse. How would you? Anyway. If I were to ask you to give me a mental picture of rest, where would your mind go? Some of you might say, well, it would go to a hammock tied between two trees. Nice cool drink to my right or left. A little gentle breeze. I'd just, oh, yeah. Some of you may picture a raft in a pool. You're floating there all alone. It's placid. 
<laughs> no dogs, no kids. Ah. Some of you are picturing rest as being a golf course. Amen? No? <laughs> anyway, depending on how you're playing that day. Maybe it's shopping. I don't know. I looked at the dictionary. I went to dictionary.com and I wanted to see what they said about rest and it was really quite incredible. They had seven definitions or explanations of rest. Listen to these. Rest is a noun and it says it's the refreshing quiet or repose of sleep. A good night's rest. Number two, it's refreshing ease or inactivity after exertion or labor to allow for an hour of rest. Number three, it's relief or freedom, especially from anything that wearies, troubles, or disturbs. Four, it's a period or interval of inactivity, a repose, solitude, tranquility, to go away for a rest. It's mental or spiritual calm, number five, tranquility. Number six, it's the repose of death, eternal rest. We say of somebody who has died, may they, what? Rest in peace. And then seven, it's the cessation or absence of motion, like to bring a machine to rest. And I think those are pretty good definitions. In fact, I'm going to argue that a lot of what's in the dictionary for the word rest is what God was after. And what we're really looking at today is the early roots of the Sabbath day. Sabbath literally means seven. And on the seventh day, God rested and he surveyed his work. And this has brought up some questions among scholars. For example, why would an omnipotent God who is all powerful need to rest? Did he need a breather? Was he tired? And the answer to that question is no. God is all powerful. He's omnipotent, all powerful. That's the, the word for God's power. So he didn't need a break. And in fact, the Bible will tell us that he's still working, sustaining the universe and working in the redemption of humanity. Why did God rest? Interesting question. Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you haven't. I don't think God rested for himself per se. I think he rested to develop a pattern, a human pattern that we would need. I think the day of rest that God established is probably more for us than it was for him. And God put his hands to this work and for six days, the earth is now teeming with life and, and now there's going to be procreation and, and things are going to grow and move. But God has now taken a break, if you will. He stopped, he ceased. And the essence of the word rest means to cease. Cease striving. Psalm 46.10 says, and know that I am God. Man, I don't know about you, but I need to hear more about rest. Because I know how our culture is. I know how our devices are. We could be checking our phone constantly, trying to hear somebody talk. We live in a crazy culture right now. We're all moving at these fast paces, and it's becoming harder and harder to find times of a respite. You have to be intentional. And when God gave the early roots for the Sabbath day, he did so because he knew that we needed rest. It's one of our great needs. Not only physical rest, we need emotional rest, and we need spiritual rest. And for the Jews, what happened was a Sabbath day was established. And if you uh, read, uh, you know, go on a blog and read about a Jewish Sabbath weekend, here's what they do. 
On Friday, they usually leave work early because there's certain things that they can't do once the sun sets. The Jewish day starts at sunset. So on Friday at sunset, you're in Shabbat. You're in Sabbath. So they would leave work two or three in the afternoon. They make preparations. They cook stuff ahead of time. And when the sun sets on Friday, you are in Shabbat. You're in Sabbath. And what they do is they would gather as a family. They'd have a family meal. They would read some um, uh, readings from Scripture. They would pray and sing. It was a family time. And then, as a Jew, you wake up on Saturday morning and you go where? You go to services. Because Saturday was your uh, church day, if you will. And you'd go there. And then once that two, three-hour service was over and you got to focus on God and the community of uh, the people that you were with, then you would go home and have another communal meal and uh, family meal. And until the sun set on Saturday night, you were in the Sabbath day. And here's the thing that I think rabbis and others have wrestled with. They've said, well, what is the meaning of this rest? What kind of rest would God need? Or what would he be conveying to us? And I think a good way to think about this is that God knew that we would need the rest of relationships. The Sabbath is about getting to know God better and getting to know other people better. That's what it's all about. God knew that we would need a defined boundary in our lives to make sure that we're focusing on things that are important so that work did not consume you. Anybody here get lost in your work? Pretty easy, huh? We can, we can be on extremes, right? We can become workaholics or we can become lazaholics. You may know people who are in both camps, right? But God set a divine pattern, called this the rhythm of heaven, and he knew that we would need a boundary because if you don't have a boundary in your life to have intentional times of rest and relationship, this world will suck you dry. It will chew you up and spit you out and move on to the next victim. They'll forget about you in corporate America tomorrow. Now, there are some companies that are starting to get it, and I know there's power naps we're in for a while. You know, go ahead, go to your car, take a power nap. It'll make you better. Or going to the gym during lunch, that's not a bad idea. But there's a rest that God knows that we need that's much deeper than just physical rest and even emotional rest. It's the rest of relationship. And the Sabbath is really established to know God better. Now, we know as a church, we've read Romans 14, Colossians 2.16, we're not bound by a Sabbath day. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. In fact, we would say that Jesus is our Sabbath. We're not bound Friday at sunset. In fact, the Sabbath day was really given to Israel, but the principle is there. And the principle was carried over to the early church. And the early church started to meet on Sundays. And what did they do? Acts 2.42 tells us. They focused on the apostles' doctrine, on fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. When the church came together, they focused on knowing God better and interacting with one another. And people who still practice the idea of the Shabbat or the Sabbath day say that when they have to shut things down and turn the TV off because you can't watch TV and the device is off and all of this stuff, it forces them to now get to know the people around them better. You ever had a power outage at your house? 
All your devices go off, and you're like, ah, rats, darn, ah, what do you do now? There's something called a candle. A candle? Where's the switch? So you light the candle, right? And you can't turn. Now you could do your phone, right? Because you have battery power. But anyway, we won't go. Just go with me. So anyway, (laughs) but have you ever had that time? And now, you know, your family kind of got together and you focused on one another. And all of a sudden, you started meeting people again that you live with. (laughs) Interesting concept, isn't it? Well, the Jews, because of Shabbat, are forced Friday night to shut it all down and focus on God and each other. Sound like a pretty good idea? I would say that there's a desperate need in our culture today for families to regather some expression of Sabbath. Because the world is now dictating to us what we do and how we measure effectiveness and schedule. And God has work for you to do. That's part of this. But you need to know that even God rested. Who are we to say we don't need rest, but God did? Hello? So we need to pay attention to this idea. And the heavens and the earth, 2-1, Genesis, were completed. They were finished. And all their host, in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God completed his work. Now, there are some versions. Uh, the ESV says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their host uh, in them. And then I think verse 2, let's see, it says, on the seventh day, God completed his work. Is it by or on? Scholars, rabbis have wrestled with this idea because they say, did God Do a little bit of cleanup work on day seven? Is it on or by? And Rashi, who was a great Jewish scholar, said, I've solved the problem. God created rest on the seventh day. That's what he did. (laughs) But do you need to create rest? Isn't rest just a ceasing from activity? Is it something that you need to create? Well, in our case, I'd say we need to create it. We need to be able to put up predictable boundaries. And God was so serious about this to Israel. He said, if anybody does not honor the Sabbath day in Exodus 31, that person shall die. That person shall be cut off and put to death. He was serious about this pattern. And that pattern of the Sabbath day became the covenantal sign between God and Israel. And he said, look, you are going to rest on this day because I know how much you need that rest. And God established the Sabbath. The Lord, everything belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all who dwell in it. And he said, look, I know what you need. I made you. Follow my pattern. Could you say right now you are in the rhythm of heaven's ways? I could I could confess to you because I'm preaching to myself. Sometimes that's not true. Sometimes we get consumed by all this stuff. But God says, cease striving and know that I am the Lord. Now look at verse 2. It says, by the seventh day, God, Elohim, completed his work. You'll notice the word work is a couple times here, which he had done. He rested that Shabbat or Shabbat. He ceased on the seventh day from all his work. See the word work there, which he had done? The word work is malaka. 
We transliterate it into English as M-E-L-A-K-A-H, Malaka. Now, Abadah is the other word in Hebrew for work, and it's kind of like a grunt labor work, like thoughtless, you know, just doing labor. But Malaka is the word that ties to skilled precision. It's the work of a craftsman. It's the idea of mind and action combining in work, malaka. And God had his work, and here's the pattern. God has made us in his image, and one of the things that we do as humans to give us meaning and value is we create. And the question that you have to ask yourself this morning is, what is your malaka? What's the work that God has called you to? In what areas do you have strengths and creativity where God would say, that's what I want you to do. I want you to pursue that. You know, there's some people that we meet and we say, that person was born to be an artist. That person was born to be a musician. That person was born to be a preacher. (laughs) That person was born to be a baseball player. Whatever that case may be, there is work that God has for you. And in that work ethic and rest ethic, you will find the pace of life that you need to have. God wants you to do well. He's given you at least one spiritual gift, but maybe more. He's got a specific calling. You are his work of art. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. You must find your malacca, your work, and you must find your rest, all in the sight of God all doing what God has called you to do. Put your heart and mind, let it be a labor of love that you pour out to God. We've had some people recently um, pass away in our congregation. Uh, Glenn Govednek and Joe Osborne just recently went home to be with the Lord. And even in the concept of rest, there is a rest of hope. Because even in the six-day creation and the day seven, it it, what it gives us is a, is a picture of the millennial rest to come in Christ. And we can, even now, with losses and struggles and questions, we can have the rest of hope. You see, what we have as Christians is hope is faith looking forward. It's knowing that the story's not going to end when I take my last breath here. But there's so many things that chew away at the things that are important. Go to Exodus chapter 20. So when God established this uh, pattern... Exodus is just the next book to your right. Exodus chapter 20. He wanted the children of Israel to walk in his ways and get this divine pattern. So these are the Ten Commandments. And he says in Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. Verse 10, Exodus 20. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. Now turn to Deuteronomy 5, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is another uh, record of the Ten Commandments. And there's an expanded version of Commandment 4, which I want to show you. The Sabbath day was unique to Israel. Let me tell you why. In ancient history, as I understand it, the only people that had days of leisure, leisurely rest were the wealthy. 
If you were a servant or you were not well-to-do, you did not get a day off. The weekend in America was unknown in the ancient world. We think, oh, you've got to have a three-day weekend now, right? Three days! Well, look, it was unknown in the ancient world. You had to be well-to-do to even get days of leisure. And this made Israel unique. This is Living Truth Radio, and we have the privilege of coming over to this station to you. But um, the privilege does have a cost, and we just want to take a moment to let you know that we want to thank you for praying for us and partnering with us on Living Truth Radio. There's a way that you can give to this radio broadcast. We do have some wonderful open doors, but we do need you to partner with us in prayer and in giving. If you can give to the ongoing radio ministry of Living Truth, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, when Oscar and I walk into the studio and we have Cameron doing recording for us, none of us get paid to do radio. We're doing it because it's a passion. And if you can partner with us, we'd appreciate it. Here's how you can help us out. You can go to livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate tab. You'll see a picture of Pastor Michael there. Make sure that when you go to the PayPal account, you indicate that your gift is for radio ministry. If you'd like to send a gift, you can send it to Living Truth 1009, Arsenal Way, think of the armor of God, Corona, California, 92880. Again, that is Living Truth 1009, Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. If you have any needs that we can help you with, you can always give us a call. The office is open on the West Coast here in Southern California. Tuesday through Friday from 9 to about 5 in the afternoon. Our number is 951-735-2856. You can find out all that information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona by going to our website. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. We have a lot of things for kids. We have child care Sunday school classes that run concurrent with the services. And you can find out all those details one more time at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Cameron Thomas, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, Learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the Church tab. You can follow us on Instagram, at livingtruthcorona, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.